Welcome to Pouring Over Pages, a podcast of words and wine. I'm Alexa. And I'm Maritza. Time to get lit on literature. Woo! Yes. Episode 13. We're happy to be here. (laughs) We're super excited because today we are discussing a book titled The Other Black Girl by Zakia Delilah Harris. And more importantly, we have an amazing guest with us today, a friend and coworker who is going to provide us, I think, some really incredible insight into the topics that we're going to be discussing today, and that is Queena Washington. Welcome. Thank you, ladies, for inviting me. First and foremost, I just want to say I think it's so cool that you guys have a podcast with wine and books. (laughs) The two two greatest things. Two greatest things in the world. But most importantly, the book that you guys invited me on, The Other Black Girl, I mean, wow. I can't wait till we really get into it. Um, but to the audience, hi, I'm Queen of Washington. I've um, been working with Alexa and Maritza for a year and a half at PAM, but I call them my Latin sisters. From another <laughs> um, and on top of that, I've been in the service industry for 11 plus years. So I can't wait to get into these great topics. Yeah, this is this is the, the perfect guest for this book. There's oh, no question. Sure. I think you're going to provide us incredible insight. This is a book that is about a young woman, an assistant who's working at a predominantly white uh, publishing house at Wagner Books, and all hell breaks loose when another black girl gets hired and starts to work in the same um, in the same department. And this is a book that really touches on issues of being black in the workplace, of being a young woman in the workplace, or of just being a minority in mm-hmm. in the workplace mm-hmm. and how you have to handle that, how those those things create a different perception within the workplace mm-hmm. for you and how they change and shape your environment. So we're really eager to, you know, to have a conversation about that. I think this is going to be a really insightful conversation. And we're also going to be sipping some pretty incredible wine during this conversation. Yes. So today, um, I promised you guys a second rosé to pair with the one from last month. And this one is called, uh, it's from the McBride Sisters Collection. It's called Black Girl Magic. And it's a 2020 California rosé. You'll see quickly why I picked this to combat the themes in the book. Mm -hmm. And we'll touch (laughs) upon it. But um, it's tasty. And we're going to start Sip in as we get into these heavy topics. Yeah, I think I think we're gonna need it. <laughs> yeah, agreed. <laughs> but as as I had mentioned initially, mm-hmm. the book is about Nella, right? Nella is the main character, but it's written in these chapters where you have different people who are also part of the main storyline, and they provide some insight in their own individual chapters and in, in their own voice. And it follows the story of Nella from one perspective or another, whether it be her own or somebody else's. And the book is sold or framed as a suspense novel, a thriller, so to speak. There are some elements of that that I think were successful, some that weren't. We're definitely going to talk about that. I know we all have pretty strong opinions about how that worked. But the main thing to to take away from this book without providing too many spoilers for you all is that this is a book that's really discussing what it's like to be the the one black girl in a space or the one minority in a space, especially in a professional environment where you're required to constantly prove yourself, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. prove yourself that much more. Yes. Uh, and, and I think maybe the, the most natural place to start, which is a topic that I find really fascinating and we've touched on it in the past, is this idea of like the Obama syndrome 
Yeah. Yes. Right. Where if you're a black person in a professional environment, mm-hmm. you have to be flawless, perfect, yes. without any scandal attached to you to receive the same opportunity or respect as a very mediocre, borderline underqualified <laughs> white person, right? It's so so that's, true. that's part of the reason why we wanted Queen on here because we know that she has a perspective of, of having front-facing positions, working in hospitality. And, you know, honestly, just what's your overall take on the book? Did you enjoy it? Do, do you think that that message was portrayed successfully in the writing? That message, absolutely. Um, I think that Nala did a great job basically showing how when you uh, a black young woman enters corporate America with that hope and gleam in the eye mm-hmm. that, you know what, they not only are going to see who I am, but they're going to see my work. Because yeah. when you, as a, as a young black woman, you're taught young, you know, like you're taught from your family, you're going to have to prove yourself more, you're going to have to work harder, you're going to have to be perfect. You're going to have to make sure your hair is done properly, make sure you're dressed properly. Because if you're not, you're perceived as something else. You're going to have strikes against you, you from do. that. And I'm going to tell you guys, the natural hair, the fact that she actually was able to wear her natural hair, I appreciate it. Let me tell you my experience of working in hospitality. My first hotel, right? I started out in the call center and I worked there for a year and a half. And then I got promoted to work in the front and be guest relations Mm -hmm. and be the hotel manager. I had natural hair at that time. So I had a really cute afro, you know, rocking it out different colors. I would, it, and I have really I'm nice hair. It's really curly. I know because she's wearing braids right now. And I know. I've been wearing like... braids since, but I'm gonna shock them one day and actually wear my hair. You need to show us the photos. I, I yeah. show you the photos. <laughs> but the first moment that I realized that I was a black girl in corporate or private corporate is when the same woman that hired me. I come into the lobby. I had on my suit, dressed well. My hair was double twisted. I just had my hair done. I was looking really cute. The GM's wife, she was black. So mm-hmm. she would always encourage us in the morning when she would see us. And she's like, I love your hair. It looks great. The moment she saw the wife come and tell me how great I look and how good my hair looked, she came right behind her and she pulled me to her side and she's like, I love your uniform. You look great, but... We need to do something about your hair. Oh. <laughs> and I said, what do you mean You, we need to do something about my hair? I just did my hair. And she's like, you know what I mean. You Meaning, know what I- <laughs> she's like, I'm going to give you a few days off and you decide what you want to do with that hair, but do not come back with your natural hair. I forget that this is a podcast and nobody so. can see my face right now. <laughs> like, I forget that. But I'm literally just in shock and awe. Holy shit. And I'm going to be honest with you. And I wasn't the first one. So then I got my hair braided and my hair stayed braided the whole time. Not only that, we also had a young lady that had dreads. She had the most beautiful. She was a Jamaican um, young lady and she worked overnight. She was um, the front office manager overnight. I loved her hair because she was like a coolie Jamaican. So she had like that nice Indian hair blended in with natural black hair. Listen, beautiful. And she kept her dreads up so nicely. And they were like, they're kind of like sister locks. Like if you've ever seen sister locks, they're really, they're smaller than natural dreads. And she would dye them. I mean, have them in different kind of designs and everything. I mean, well kept. 
she approached her. She approached also another uh, manager. She was Dominican and had those big, beautiful Dominican curls. She had, would tell her about her hair. So it wasn't just me. It was oh all, God, all the minority, minority women. All the textured that hair had women, textured right? hair that was either curly, looked a little nappy to them, a little wavy, or a little too much curl into it. Or if you had dreads or anything, even men, you were going to get talked to. Because in hospitality, that was not the look. It was either you had straight hair and then the nails. Let's talk about the nails. You know me. I like to have my color, right? Yeah. Oh, no. I had to get either French, plain colors. So basically, they tone you down from who you actually are. They whitewash you. Basically. And I actually went to my elders and I I cried because it was it was because I worked in retail. I started out in management and retail and in retail, you were able to express yourself. So I wasn't told to. Dummy down who you Tone are. Tone down the queen of. Exactly. <laughs> Dim your light so you can fit exactly. in here. <laughs> and then when it got past that and I saw it to other women and it was like, dare you to say something. Because if you said something to HR, it was going to get back to the same people. And then retaliation is very real. Of course it is. So that's just one experience I can guys tell oh, you. Um and to the audience, that's just a, a, a kind of like an opening to what I would say Marissa and Alexa has selected me for this book because there, I have always been the only black girl somewhere. And there, I was really the only black girl department head that I actually yeah, stayed. Managing. <laughs> managed, yeah. yeah. I, it came full circle. So I started from the bottom and worked my way up. But how they groomed you working your way up. And dangling, I call it dangling the carrot effect. Of course. Which is like, okay, you're going to get that title. You're going to get more money, but you need to show me more. So also proving yourself more. Well, something that I think the three of us can relate to and that we've talked about, uh, you know, not when we have a microphone, but when we're just hanging out, we've talked about that 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 you're describing, the, the, the ascension, <laughs> yes. right? But the issue I think that happens with women, but even more so, I would argue with minority women, Agreed. is that if you've been hired in an assistant level position, for mm-hmm. example, and then you're promoted, maybe promoted again, maybe one day you're the director of your department. And yet the perception of you from when you were an assistant to other people hasn't changed. No. Yeah. And that happens a lot with, at least my experience has been with men. Yes. If I have a, a, a man who's a boss and they hired me in a lower level position, they continue to see me with those same eyes. It's almost like a refusal of acknowledging the growth mm-hmm. and the right that I have exactly. to move on to a higher position, to mm-hmm. higher pay, to more responsibility. And the argument becomes, well, you have to prove yourself, as you yeah. just said. Yes. You have to prove yourself. You have to do everything that is required of you for that job before you get that job. And what a scam, right? Because yes. then what you're doing is the job, but without the title <laughs> and without the pay. Fucking brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. And let me tell you, I can definitely contest to that because I've actually sat and watched people, especially in hospitality. That is one place that I can definitely tell you it is bad. They scream diversity so much, but the injustices they do to minorities, mm-hmm. I've seen white counterparts just do nothing. Like literally sit there. They don't answer no guest complaints. They delegate it to other people that they can easily manipulate and say, hey, take care of this for me. But then I am 
organized. I have everything done, send out my emails. And then it's like, okay, it's time for me to leave. Oh, oh no, Queena. Um, can you stay for an additional hour and do Bobby didn't get a chance to finish um these four guest challenges. So can you please do these for Bobby? You get no, penalized Bobby can fucking do it. For no, but listen for doing your job and then so right. exactly. So then me, I'm gonna speak up for myself. So I'm like, no, I just saw Bobby sitting there, not doing anything. He was over there talking to Jimmy or whatever. Bobby's eating shit. He should do Basically. his own job. <laughs> so I'm just gonna tell you guys for a black girl or for my any minority female, you telling that to a white male, that was the looks. Oof. The look that right. I got I imagine. that was like, oh, so you're not just going to shut up and do it. No, I wasn't that chick that was going to shut up and do it. But I was always constantly told that you need to stay in your lane right. and do what you're told. Right. The audacity. Right? Yeah. The audacity that you would have to stand up for yourself. So I got summons this way into of the office and he and my boss looked at me and he said, you're going to do it. And if you have a problem with it, we can take this up with the VP. And I'm like, Thinly you know what? Okay. I know. <laughs> I said, you know what? I don't think it's fair that I have to get penalized for somebody that really wasn't doing their job. But like you said, I guess I have to do it if I want my job. Yeah. And I, he's like, well, I'm glad you understand. Yeah, exactly. There's been moments where I've been managing people who've gotten paid more than I have because their roles are, quote unquote, Specialized, but mm-hmm. they're also men with penises that are white, and right. mm-hmm. you right. know they exactly. just don't want to, you know, pay you for what you're actually the job you're actually doing. Exactly. So we there's countless instances. And I think the the message here is first of all to any woman who's listening to this and has experienced this, you're a hundred and fifty percent not alone. No. You're in yes. excellent company. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's the first thing I want to emphasize, and the second one is that we need to continue to do what Queen is describing, have the audacity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because the one we do, we make it easier for the next person. That's always yes. been my mentality. I want to do everything that I can when I open the door so that way the next girl behind me mm-hmm. can just walk through it. She doesn't have to bang it open yeah. like I had to do, right? Exactly. We want people to swiftly make it in and, and make these professional environments their home and feel as comfortable. So as uncomfortable as it may be to speak up, to tell someone what your boundaries are, your professional yeah. boundaries. It's imperative because as so long as women continue to say, fine, I'll mm-hmm. do Bobby's work, then Bobby will continue to sit on his ass and you will keep getting paid yeah. for your work and not Bobby's work. Mm-hmm. And the rest of us, we continue to suffer from that. I'm not trying to put pressure, but I think it's so important that we remind ourselves and each other that all of us are on the same boat. When one yeah. woman succeeds, it gives the opportunity to every other woman to continue mm-hmm. on that path. Yeah. And you know what, uh, Maritza, you have a, a key point because basically what that has taught me is, one, know your worth. Yeah. Um, to all of the women out here, please, I'm going to tell you because that I struggle with. I knew my worth, but when you're around nothing but white male industry and yes it's very toxic even how they handle and our vp she was a female she was from she was from ireland they wasn't easy on her either so it didn't make her easy for us at all and she was very selective with the women she wanted to put under her wings and take care of so as i say in this know your worth and if you are a woman in any industry teach the women under you because let me tell you something I 
my mom and them taught me, but I really wish I had mentors that, and I did have two, but they did not prepare me for what I what I really yeah. ran into <laughs> right. um, out of the years that I was in hospitality. I mean, the store, I can go on for days, but know your worth. Know that if you are a good-hearted person and if they're telling you to do something unethical and immoral and it doesn't feel right to you, don't do it. Just do not give in and conform to things that you do not feel right with because they will try to do that. Yeah. And and I say that because you're considered a pawn. They will put you as a pawn to do things and then set you up and then you're the one that's going to end up fired versus the person that actually did something. And that links back to self-reflection on your values. You yes. need to know what they are, mm-hmm. right? I think mm-hmm. that that's, that's step one to everything that you're describing because mm-hmm. you need to know what those boundaries are. You exactly. need to know what your values are, what you're willing to accept and what you're not willing to accept. And what you are describing right now is like, oh, you're you're going to be the one penalized, but not that person. Exactly. Well, that's exactly what happened in the book, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. When Nella decides to confront an author and say, listen, I'm actually not super keen on the way that you wrote this black character in your book. I find it inappropriate. I don't even think she used the word racist. No, she I was think she was very kind with she her. Was very she kind. was very she kind. She was very kind. Which is basically how you're taught to speak to them too. Right. Because they're fragile. Yes. And it's not on you to, you know, touch that. You know, no. you, you gotta make sure that you keep them you have in to be one sensitive piece. to their fragility. Right. Yeah. Even though they're writing a black character that could not have been more stereotypes meshed Meshed together, you know, but she was very kind. And then you have this new black girl who joins Wagner books later and goes against what Nella says, right? After agreeing with her on the the, the side. Exactly. So she pretends like she has her back. And then she says to the author, no, 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 I actually quite like the way that you wrote this character, which is all bullshit and nonsense. It reminds me of so-and-so growing up. Not my family's issues, but other people's issues. Yeah, but you know what? (laughs) That... Um, I'm, I call this, uh, with Nala and Hazel, single black female. Yeah. It's, it's like the movie single white female, but there is, I call it the black version because that is true. I'm going to be very honest with you. There are black women out here that is not for other black women. I have encountered that in workspaces and working events outside and they're very bold and they will tell you to your face. And the work, though, this was very interesting. So this is when I was in the front, got my braids, you know. I'm extra cute. So anyway. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, you you may not give me my natural, but my braids going to have some curl to it. Right. So at the end of the day, either you was going to take it or leave it. She made a face at the braids, but she was going to have to take it or leave it. So <laughs> got my protective do on. And then... They, this young black new uh, front office manager, they were interviewing, and I'm like, oh, oh we got somebody else. Yeah, right. I'm excited because I'm like, now I can re, now we can have somebody we can relate to because exactly, right. it was like a good handful of us that we would just have lunch with and just compare stories and talk. Right. She started, I would say, about two months in. I had to train her, so she just shadowed me, and then I noticed she was asking me about. Oh, what kind of makeup you wear? Oh. Where do you get that blouse? Oh, where do you get that scarf? That scarf is so nice. So me just being innocent, you know me. I'm going to tell her the truth. That's, that's like, all you're thinking. Yeah, I'm like, oh, she, oh, I got this from a specialty store on the beach. Oh, where is that? 
give her the name, um, the perfume. Oh, yeah, I got this at Macy's. This is so-and-so. You know, just little things. Then not even a week later, the chick is looking like me. (laughs) (laughs) She wants to take your life, Queen and your job. So come to find out, she did apply for the hotel manager position. And I was the hotel manager at that time. Oh. And I was doing overnight and PM. And basically, they were pinning us together. And women, if you are black out here, I just want to be very serious with you. Be very careful about corporate companies pinning black women together because they do that. They will see who is more competitive. They will see who is more driven. But who is going to knock who off? Yeah. I think that that is the the premise of the title and really the point of the book, though, is that mm-hmm. some of that competition that is that is that festers the one what you're describing right now, it stems from the fact that I think women are perceiving that there's only room for one of them. Yes. And that they need to edge each other out, that they need to compete so mm-hmm. that one of them will be the victor. Right. Exactly. Because there isn't room for two black women. Why? Because they haven't seen that because mm-hmm. that's not the norm, because no. that's not common, because exactly. that's not what work environments generally look like. So, I mean, I think that that's, that's really what the book was, was, was trying to do and creating a really uneasy feeling in the reader mm-hmm. through the writing. I think the writing was brilliant. I will say that. Yeah. I think yes. that the way that the author writes is really beautiful and so succinct and really described the experience, I think, in, in a, in a in a very powerful way. A very powerful and real way because I related so much to a lot of those things that I was just like, wow. It just really made me, because you really don't think about it, right? Because I'm here and I enjoy where I am. But I it really just made me think about me being a young Black woman starting in the industries of service and all of the injustices that I have experienced. I mean, I can speak contest to one working at Victoria's Secret. That was actually my first job when I started going to Dade. And hey, I will never forget her. She was a female, a white female that hired me. And not even a year into my position, I had the highest clientele. I sold the most credit cards. I took over the cash wrap. She was really happy because why? That makes your store manager look good. It makes them look good. Your new employee just like raised all of these things for you. Right? So I get more money. You're happy. So the whole store wins. Everybody wins. As I thought. A new manager started. So I also trained the manager. So she was a new manager that I was training, but she also was in law school. She was just working because her husband moved from Boston and, you know, she was just like, I just need something to do. Yeah, I need cash, some time to pass. So I'm showing her how we open the store, cleaning and, you know, sizing. And then I'm wiping down the cash wrap, comes and she's like, what happened last night? And I'm like, I helped, um, I helped Beauty out because they needed help with their numbers. So I paired a guest that brought a lot of things in the front and I just handed them off to Beauty. And I think the store won because we beat LY and I think we apparel um, had a high number and so did beauty. So I think overall, I think we did well. Right. So she started praising me and then it went from praising me to her getting angry. And then she cornered me and she flat out said to me, she's like, I don't know where you black women get off thinking that you guys can do whatever the fuck you want. (gasps) 
you can't see our face. <laughs> yeah. Again, this is a podcast. No one can see the horror on our face. Listen, the horror of me. I'm 19 years old, about to turn 20. Killing this it, by the first... way, in the sales yeah. industry there. I mean, both of my parents were executives, so I knew. And I had my own babysitting service at 14 and 15, so yeah. I'm about sales. But <laughs> the fact that she cornered me because she was upset that I helped the other black manager in beauty the night before that she had an issue with, I got oh. attacked. It was like you betrayed your I betrayed alliance with her, her yes. for the other black person. And right? mind you, we're told to help beauty out by her as well. So, no, it got worse because she cornered me and she said, you don't know where you black women off getting, thinking that you're better than everybody, thinking that you can come in here and just you know, change up things because you talk to corporate and you tell corporate that this needs to be said a certain way and then they just listen to you. Like, I've been telling them this for a long time, but you come in here and you think you're better. And she was like screaming at me in my face. Mind you, standing in the back. has her yellow pad. She's writing everything. And she just looked at me and she's like this, like, just you I wait. Got you. <laughs> she goes in the back. She calls corporate. Not even 10 minutes later, corporate calls and wants to speak to Good, damn. Well, I'm glad Her that she also- Her whole face turned red. So just to make a long story short, she not only did that to me, but she, I come to find out. So I've also been like that rally person that will find out who else has been in justice. <laughs> yeah. So I found out there were 10 of the Hispanic women that I used to work with, the bra specialist- the little ladies that speak Spanish, but I used to, you know, I used to help them out. And then my girls that worked, the young girls that worked in stock. She was doing that for a long time, but they were afraid to say anything to anybody. So corporate came and did an investigation. We got rid of her and I, I left and I went to Armani Exchange. But that was my first real experience of having a white person come that actually hired me and tell me who do I think I am because... I'm actually doing well. Right. It's like yeah. it's like they hire you, but they don't expect you to do well. They actually they expect you to you, fail. Like a little pet failing right. in yes. the corner. Like. And when you are smart and you show them that you can arise to every occasion and you're not gonna sink, it gets them angrier. I yeah. don't understand that though. It's I think it's I think it's a, a sort of historical resentment in a way. I think that that's one way to think of it or to or or to mm -hmm. describe it. Because even in the book, you know, she she does discuss that, you know, she that, she, that she says that it's basically you have experiences where black people are impressing a white person in the way that you're describing now. You know, you're mm -hmm. good at your job. You're you're excelling. You're mm -hmm. succeeding. You're doing what you're being asked to do. You know, people like, you know, yourself, Barack Obama, that's always the example I come up with when I think of like an exceptional black person. It's true. Because you have to be stain free to be able to even reach that level of responsibility, frankly. But what's discussed is that basically, you know, Given the amount of times that black people have been lynched or raped or beaten down over mm -hmm. the last 400 years, you should really be pretty impressed by every black person as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Right. And that's a big that's a big point in the book. So that's that's why I describe it as like a sort of historical resentment, because I think that they accept they believe that you can be around to do just what they need. But the moment that you excel past that, you're now challenging perhaps an internalized stereotype mm -hmm. that exists, you know, as, as yeah, Hispanic women, yeah, as Hispanic women, we, we face that too. We experience mm -hmm. that too, where, you know, and especially 
sometimes as it happens to me when they hear me speak because I look very Hispanic, mm -hmm. but I speak with a flawless American accent because I was born and raised here. So that challenges their idea of what I look like in comparison to what I sound like in mm -hmm. comparison to my education. It's like they can't compute that someone who looks like me could speak like me. How could you, you know what? Masters. That, listen, <laughs> I love the fact that you hit on that because my mom have experienced that. And I, me and my sister have experienced that growing up through life. My dad was a Vietnam vet and he was very into us being basically well-groomed, meaning yeah. you speak well, you sit up, you talk well, because as you face it, that's something that as black families, I mean, I'm pretty sure in your Hispanic families, how you guys grew up, it was the same way at the dinner tables. Like my dad is like, they're not going to respect you if you sit this way. They're not going to respect you if you do this, if you do that. 100% Man yes. manners are manners key. Is key in our family. Um, but speaking, so growing up, I used to hear white women call my mom Oreo all the time. Oh, my God. Um, because she is black, but my mom speaks very well. Her pronunciation is, you know, I mean, she's, her literature is very well, you know. And even myself, how I speak, I have been told several times over the phone if I, like, basically, if I spoke to you over the phone, they would think I was white. And if they saw me in person, they'd be like, wow, They're confused. I didn't know you They're was like, black. wait, who are you? Who are you? Who are you? You're, that has Queen happened now? so many where's times. <laughs> working at the hotel where I'm talking to a, a leader and they finally meet me in person. They're like, were you the one I was speaking with? Yes, I'm Queena. Hence the name. Right? You should have <laughs> known I'm black from the name Queena. <laughs> who else is out here named Queena? <laughs> Washington at that. <laughs> Double whammy. It's pretty clear. Right? It's pretty clear. <laughs> but you're so right with that. It's like they don't, you sound amazing, but oh, but you're black. How do you sound white? And I've actually had white people say to me, wow, you speak so well. Are you from Boston? Are you from, no, I'm from here, Miami. You're from Miami. Yeah. Yes, I'm, I was born and raised here. Oh, I didn't know Floridians knew how to speak like that. What the fuck do you mean? <laughs> Excuse my French. No, we we. What so do it's you mean? Here, so we're good. We're good. No, but I'm like, what the fuck do you? What do you mean? You didn't yeah. know Miamis know how to talk like that. Well, that's so the perception. No, but what blew my mind was, guys, is that the perception of how they think we speak here. Right. They think that blacks. Just is so ignorant that exactly. I I can't speak you can't as form intelligent. A sentence. And right. they think Hispanics are the same oh, way. Oh, that we don't speak oh, English. That y'all don't speak English at all. That we don't even know how to ask right. for anything. But only if they know how yeah. intelligent we are, how right. smart we are. And what I also don't understand is that we make them look very good. And I just don't. I, I don't see it getting any better, even with our our young women coming in. And I, I worry about not just my black women. I worry about minority women in general. Yeah. Because it is it is so much evident now, even with the younger generation behind us, they're experiencing the same thing. But even more on a a, a higher sensory level since COVID happened, I just feel like people have completely lost their senses. Um, how to gauge, how to communicate, and even how to have real conversations without being, you know, too offensive. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, you first of all, I don't think that you can or should underestimate the power of female friendship in a workplace, right? Part Agreed. of the reason why I've been able to to thrive is exactly. because there I'm surrounded by 
I mean, the two of you and 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 other women within this institution and other places where I've worked where they've genuinely wanted to yes. see me succeed yeah. and have mm-hmm. helped me do so. Yes. I think that if you can find women in your life who will speak your praises behind your back or who will mention your name in a room full of opportunity, I think it's important that you stick with them and that you become them for somebody Agreed. else. Right. So it does worry me, too, especially because as you're describing now in this kind of COVID post-COVID world Mm -hmm. where things have become more competitive, things have become, you know, socialized in a very different way, in a more digital way. Mm -hmm. We don't create the same types of connections and those connections are imperative. They're actually probably the only reason why I've been able to continue at certain posts, why I've been able to thrive in certain places is because I've made those connections and I take my responsibility as a mentor very seriously. Any Agreed. any previous intern that I've had, any person that I've tried to mentor in, in some capacity, I take that responsibility with the same seriousness as I do my job. Because exactly. I know that they will take on my role one day or a bigger role. I hope a bigger role. I hope mm-hmm. that they go far past anything that I'm able to accomplish. But I hope that that mentality is not a generational mentality. And it worries me what you're saying, because if it is a generational mentality, then I don't want to feel like what I'm doing and how I'm investing in young women is not going to, it's not going to bloom into something bigger and better, right? Like, that's the hope. That's all I want. And I mean, I'm very hopeful about Mm -hmm. the the pendulum of progress. I mean, how it swings back and forth. I mean, we saw our first black president ever swing one way but then all the racism and backlash swung the other way and now with with covid too it's you know the asian pacific hate that we're seeing from covid uh, the black lives matter you know movement that's been a movement forever just bubbling up again and all these racists coming out of the woodwork but my hope is that it all just brings things to light and swings back into progress so let's hope that Nobody wants to go backwards because I feel like sometimes that certain people in this nation want it to go backwards. But they do. And there's proof and of that. They but, do. but they have to understand, we cannot go backwards. Why we can't go backwards? Because the history has already been written. We have to focus on the future. And this is why our youth is so confused. And I agree with you 100%. If anybody is a mentor out here... Take it seriously because these young people really need the guidance. I have my specialty is developing teams. You guys know that. And I love encouraging young people because the stories I tell, it doesn't matter if I'm black. It doesn't matter if they're white. It doesn't matter if whatever nationality they are and background, it behooves you as a woman if you're in the industry to speak on it. Don't be afraid. I was afraid at the beginning to really talk about the things that was happening to me because you're shunned to not talk about those things. Mm-hmm, right. But then again, I was like, wait a minute. No, I, we have to talk about that because how am I going to help my team here? Exactly. The young women that I'm developing here, they need to hear what I went through so they know what to recognize if they're going through the same thing. Right. I'm giving them the tools to be better. And that is important. And this is why I appreciate both of you because me coming here, I really couldn't trust a lot of people. And you guys know that I am yet again the only black female running the front. And some people liked it and some people don't. And you guys know that. But I don't care because at the end of the day, I 
most importantly is the one, the friendships and developments. You guys help me keep going. Seeing some of the teaching artists that I haven't seen in a while, when I see them, they're like, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm hanging in there. They're like, no, you have a purpose. Keep going. So it's you guys mean a lot to me and the relationships I build here because it's important for us to continue working as minority women, women together mm-hmm. and empower the younger women. Because what I'm seeing, I'm going to be very honest with you. They really are not caring about the history that we have set forth unless they're born in a house of generation that has gone through it. Yeah. But what I'm seeing now is they want nothing to do with it. That's something that we've we've discussed, me and Alexa have discussed that the junk I've at least have seen, I've noticed mm-hmm. a lot of Gen Z people yes. that being sort of not caring very or apathetic. Un- yeah, being yes. apathetic is like a cool thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't <laughs> see it that way. I care about too Quite many the things. Yes, me too. <laughs> we care too much, yes. but caring too much is what is what creates progress. And 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 going back to your point about how we can't go backwards and the pendulum of of justice and progress. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm in complete agreement. But you know, we can't be blind to the fact that there are people who believe. That the good old days is when someone like yeah. you could not, not be manager at the true. front and could not be leading a team exactly. and could not be empowering young minority women and women like us who have a who who have a podcast who, and who can share our voice and spread our voice as far as our voice can go. Exactly. There are people who believe that we don't have that right. No. And one of the things, one of the ways in which that's done, of course, we could go on and on politically, but but the reality is is that you know book banning. Mm-hmm. That is talked about in this book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a particular book that eventually becomes banned or frowned upon to read because it is truth telling. Yes. And so all these people who are angry right now about teaching their kids critical race theory in school. Oh my God. First of all, congratulations if uh, your kids learning critical race theory because that means that they're in law school. Exactly. First of all. <laughs> and second of all, what you're against is not critical race theory. You're against history. Yes. Yes. You don't want your grandkids to know that you spit at Ruby Bridges when she was on her way to school. Yep. Exactly. So I don't want to hear it. That's what that's what upsets me. So, you know, being apathetic is not cool because then we end up in a position where the pendulum takes too much time to swing back. And I don't have not only do I not have the patience for that, but people lose their dignity. People lose their lives. People lose their livelihood Mm -hmm. in the midst of you guys figuring out if you give a shit. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And and that's the thing. And I just want to tell you, ladies, I have seen leaders lose their livelihood because of the monopoly and the manipulation that the higher ups and the powers may be just kind of puppet them out. Yeah. Um, and it's very sad to see that and see people suffer, see yeah, their the families suffer. Yeah, the breakdown of suffer. a person yes. just because they wanted to speak and out. And actually see a full breakdown. Like there was a, a manager, she just couldn't handle it. She went to HR. She broke down in front of the HR desk. And I don't know how many. And now that I think about it, I'm going to be honest, I can count on my hand. There was only one Black female in the higher up as far as in hospitality and there was only one male and me so literally only three and in food and beverage it was about two or three so it really wasn't that much color right with the demographic with the management and if it was i'm just going to be honest with you they didn't last too long because the real real ones was like no i'm the fuck out of here 
Yeah, like right. they, they weren't willing to, what is it, code switching yes. in the book? No, yeah. it's true. Yeah. Code switching is very real because if you don't conform, they will weed you out. The, like they like to say, oh, we're going to cut the fat. Mm-hmm. Right. They'll cut the fat and weed you out. And it doesn't matter. That's for any minority. If they feel like you're doing too much. And the worst part is that you can't judge somebody for leaving a job that is bad for their mental health. Yeah, it's you know, true. You can't. You can't encourage people to stay in unhealthy places. No, you can't. And at the same time, we know exactly what's creating the unhealthy and hostile environment. So mm-hmm. it's a really, it's a prickly situation. And and you know, I've I've been in a position before where I've been told by multiple you know colleagues and friends, Maritza, you should leave your post. You should mm-hmm. leave where you're at because. You're not getting what you deserve. You're not getting paid what you deserve. You don't have the title you deserve. I've heard that. And it was all coming from a good place. This yeah. is coming from people who I who trust care. and who yeah, care for me, exactly. right? But I knew that if I left, then there was going to be no change. Mm-hmm. Nothing was going to change for the exactly. next person. Exactly. So I decided to stick it out mm-hmm. and wreak fucking havoc. havoc. Yeah. And it worked out. Mm-hmm. And I'd rather wreak fucking havoc than to not do it. It's in my personality to do it, but it takes a lot from you. Was I always happy that I did it? No, it hurt. It was hard. Mm -hmm. I got chastised for it. I got judged for it. I got spoken down for Mm -hmm. it. But the reality is, is that if you, like you said, if you know your worth, Mm -hmm. you know your values, then you know what you have to do. It's just fucking hard. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, it's just like what I did. I did the same thing at the hotel and it didn't work out. So what it did though it made my boss chastise me in front of my colleagues. Mm-mm. And for things that really didn't happen. So then I guess he thought that I wasn't, since I was quiet for so long, yeah. since they told me I was too vocal, I, at the end, that's when I realized, you know what, it's time to go. You, yep. you, you can't take it anymore. You, I can't take it's it already. anymore. And I'm going to be honest with you guys, like they always told us in the beginning, if you you know when it's time for you to leave a place, the day you walk in there and you dread coming into the place you're at. The day that I walked into that hotel and dread coming in there, even seeing my team, I knew it was time for yeah. me to go. They Absolutely. for my men, like mental health, I just want to say how many leaders had had mental issues coming into that hotel and leaving the hotel because of leading by fear. We have yeah. organizations that the higher ups they like that lead by fear mentality. Where yeah, you can be amazing, but you can be better. It's like really aggressive, and that is not how you really should be leading young people. That's not no. how you should be leading anybody. Anybody. That's very Machiavellian. And yeah, it is. It is very Machiavellian. It's very mafioso. Ridiculous. Yes, it's insane. it is insane. Who's gonna reach their full potential when they're like shivering in fear? That but that's gonna how. Get... But I'm and gonna you know, be honest. That's the. That is the culture of hospitality. That's a very capitalist mentality. It's too. a capitalist mentality. That's what I was gonna say. And it is. and I and I also want to toot the horn of women really quick because I have found that women leaders lead more with empathy and understanding. Yes, they and do. And they have been faster, at least with me, in pointing out the things that I'm good at. When I surround myself with women leaders, they're mm-hmm. like, Maritza, you're a great public speaker. You're really confident. You should really pursue this. You should yeah. push mm-hmm. that. Whereas when I've worked with men, Men are usually more willing to criticize me and not thank me for my job or mm-hmm. point out the things that I'm doing well. So just shout out to to, to women who create and foster healthy work environments for yes. other yes. women because yeah, agreed. I've had some great 
women bosses in my life who have taught me how to be a good boss to other people. And I've had shit bosses who have mm-hmm. taught me, thank God that I would have never leaned in this direction anyway, but yeah, they yeah. taught me how to not treat exactly. somebody. Agreed. How you not know? to boss. The things that are <laughs> fucking obvious to me, like don't yell at somebody. Yo. Yeah. Like you that's have... a thing, man. How is that a fucking thing? <laughs> Let me thing? just tell you something. Our VP used to curse at us, like screaming to the top of her oh lungs. My God. Like she would slam her office door, all of us to be in there, and she'll look around and make sure that nobody else that doesn't belong in our leadership circle is there. She would literally rip you a whole new one in front of everybody. Everybody. There's nothing. There's, there's nothing, nothing about that is okay. No, nothing, nothing is about no, that is okay. About but that good is okay. let me just. But all I can say is, it just taught me. They. Let me just tell you. Just the whole experience just taught me how not to be. Yep. It gave me my voice back. It gave me more confidence. It made me a workaholic, though. I can tell you that. I was already a baby workaholic, but it just made me too much of a workaholic. Like things, I was doing things that I normally wouldn't be doing. You know, like just staying, going in at seven a.m. and I'm coming out at one a.m. Well, to show that you're killing it and working yes. hard, so that they could acknowledge you and appreciate you for once, even exactly. though they never exactly. So I can get that title yeah. and that pay, even when they put five other departments under me to fix. Double-edged sword, though. Yeah. Yeah. I had five, union and non-union. And everybody knows here, if you are if you are a leader in hospitality, you know how the union is in hospitality. I had both. And having engineering, front services, a call center, dealing with internal calls, outside calls, guest challenges. And fixing all of those areas and still not getting the acknowledgement, even though you're told behind closed doors, Oh my God, you're amazing. You have union and you have not had one grievance. How do you do that? Teach. I wish you can teach the other leaders how to do that. And I'm like, I have spoken to a lot of the leaders on how to do you that. You just treat people like the full human beings that, that they, they, are. they are. And that's how you succeed. But they would never put that on my review. And then the crazy thing is, let me just tell y'all the crazier thing. Every HR director I have gone to. Let me just tell you something about me in HR. I don't have a problem going to HR on no damn body because I want you to put it on record because if something happens, it's a great sue clause. I'm sorry to tell you. But going to all HR directors and them looking at my one great boss that I had, will never forget that man. He taught me a lot, but he also understood. He sat in my call center to see the issues that I was having. So when they would say the certain things they were saying, he's like, no, she's absolutely right. They hated him because they couldn't do nothing to him because he was the one that had more knowledge than higher-ups. So they couldn't touch me. The moment he left... You were bait. I was bait. And his counterpart, he actually took over the department. He gave... It was his time to do my review. Same thing. He did the same thing. They treated me no different, right? The VP changes my review from... Because at that point, it was solid performer, but then it was like the highest performer. Uh So I got the highest performer. She changed it from the highest performer and put it to solid. And she left a note to him stating that you do not change this. I changed this because this is how we see her. Ooh. My God. He showed me the note. He pulled me in his office out of confidence and he showed it to me. And he's like, I just want you to know that this wasn't because of me. And he's like, so you know they're messing with your pay. So that also means that they cut into my pay because when you get the highest performer, you get a 5% increase. They cut my increase as well. 
my god fuck so let me just tell you it is very real out here and how you handle it is key yeah yeah, I didn't. And they expect you to be all ghetto and like, you know, they expect me to go crazy because they yeah. knew what they were doing wasn't right. Right. I just documented well, they everything. Want you to, don't they, they? They, yeah. Yes. they want you because to show then, the stereotype and then they could be justified in their actions. Yes. And they even get angrier when I didn't turn up and go into the uh, storming into HR and causing a whole scene. They did. They really hate that you don't cause a scene. Yeah. Because it's like, what is she doing? Yeah, the audacity of you showing up with your arguments uh, organized yeah. with everything that you've done. Documentation. You know, yeah, documentation in tow. You know, like, that's what they hate. In a very professional way. And, and then think, when, yeah, and then when HR directors look at me, this is the part that blew my mind, guys. They looked at me and they like, we know they're not treating you right. But they could do nothing about it because... They were sold by the VPs and the right. higher-ups. So even though they knew that they were tr in, in, treating me wrong, they knew I wasn't getting paid. They knew what was happening. It's like, there's nothing more we can do. So basically, they were like, you just have to find another place. No, it's all this system. No, it gets to the point where look for another job. Yeah. yeah. That's all I'm told. You got to go. And again, it, it sort of emphasizes <laughs> exactly that, the, the the systemic racism that you find in, in, in professional environments. There's no question. You, can't, right. you just can't you just dismantle can't avoid it that. and avoid it in no. some ways. You literally but also, know But also, I mean, the the fact that it's, it's, it's as important to have minority women doing the hiring mm -hmm. and being in positions like directors of HR, because that's when I've seen change. I've been very fortunate yeah. where mm -hmm. I've, I've been supported by HR in the past. I've been able to get what I needed. I have felt supported. I mean, you were brought in here by by Megan, who was yeah. also mm -hmm. a brilliant minority woman yes. working yeah. in this institution who knew that it was important for a minority woman to be front facing. Yes. I mean, you cannot underestimate the power of having these women in these positions it's very true. and turning these positions into healthier, happier work environments. And yep. I think that that's, I mean, cheers to that. Yeah, I think cheers. that's the right, that's yes. the right place. Yes. yes. And you know what? I think Megan, no, because I call say, her a torch runner, right? It's like she passed on the torch to another mm -hmm. minority woman. And there's a lot of women out here that passed the torch, like Alexa passing the torch to Patrice that came in for Aww, a hot minute. Yeah. We miss her. But mm -hmm. seeing the the diversity, right, that comes through the doors, I think that's really important. And let me just tell you something key that I was just having a bad day here for a minute. And one of Lonnie said something to me that hit me. She basically said, girl, why, why are you? She's like, listen, you're in this position for a reason. She's like, you know what's important? When every little black girl that looked like you come through those doors and they see you, they're like, oh, I can I can work in a museum. Yes. Yeah. I can run the guest experience. Exactly. Listen, that that's, that's alone. It. Listen, all she had to do was say that to me. And I say, okay, you know what? It doesn't matter how bad a day I have. I am doing this for the next generation behind me because they need strong women leaders to stand up. Some of our leaders are not standing up. They're they're bending, they're waving, kind of like what they talk about in this system, conforming women into right. being something different. Yeah. 
you know, and that happens. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah that's, why that, that's why that part of the book to me was crazy and That was ridiculous. crazy. And I did, I did not enjoy that part. Neither did all. I. But you know what? I think I think your point is so important. And I think the three of us have that in common. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I'm very passionate about representation within the museum, especially in curatorial departments. You know, I'm very fortunate that I work with only other women mm-hmm. in my department. We're all women curators. We all support each other. And we're very much about, you know, bringing in not only more women into the collection, more mm-hmm. Latinx people into the collection, more black people into the collection, but about making sure that young people come to the museum and they see themselves represented yes. on the walls, yep. yes. see themselves represented in the jobs. Only less than 8% of curators in the United States are of Latin American descent. So I take my responsibility incredibly seriously. I am here to open the door for more Latinx people. Exactly. And let me just, I'm going to tell you guys, since the new exhibitions have opened, it has been more young people visiting the galleries. Yeah, that's what Even we Even from out of state, out of town, other countries. I mean, and then just hearing what they have to say. I think that's the perfect place for us to conclude. A friendly reminder to everyone, as you said earlier, Quina, if you're a mentor out there, if you're somebody who can do this, if you can open the doors for other people, for other women, for other minorities, let's mm-hmm. that's it that's the message exactly. let's, and let's cheers to that and alexa tell us about this wine that we've been cheers yes delicious pretty delicious over here yeah so um the book had a lot of toxic themes of women battling it out yes so i wanted to pick a wine that was the complete opposite of that so uh the mcbride sisters are just a story of inspiration and empowerment and what females could do in a whitewashed industry, you know, because wine is very predominantly white old men. I mean, luckily we have brands like this and La Fête du Rosé from the last episode and and other wines we've showcased that have shown diversity in the winemaking industry. But uh, this is a very special story and I, I like touching upon these. So Robin and Andrea McBride have the craziest story. They're actual sisters, but grew up a world apart. Robin grew up in Monterey, California, and Andrea grew up in New Zealand. So they, I know, they (laughs) they had no clue that the other existed for years, years, years. They have the same father, but different mothers. Okay. So they grew up on opposite sides of the world, just thinking it was that they're only children and that's that. And then one day they were brought back together when um, Andrea moved to the U.S., and the family did some detective work and they finally met. They realized that they had the same dad, got to know each other and started diving into each other's story. And they found out that they both grew up in these small towns that were more mostly rural, agricultural with wine regions within them. So each of them coincidentally had the same dream of going into the wine industry wow. and making their own wine. So <laughs> I'm like, what are the odds? It's like that uh, Parent Trap episode, yeah. the movie when they just, we're sister. I mean, the fact that, that, they looked, <laughs> fact that they looked exactly the same but pretended for a second that they didn't know is my favorite part of the It's, of it's the probably track. the best part of the parent. That, that is the best part. <laughs> that, that meme kills me. It's like we have the same fucking face. The same fucking face. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so they jumped in 
headfirst with their dream of, of making their own wine labels. So they really had no clue where to start. And they found out that they should start off by getting a federal import license. So yes. for $1,700, that's where they began their business and then got to work on the wine. So they flew to New Zealand when Andrea lived, connected with all the wine growers, wow. different families that they knew to get it going. They did very much the same thing in California. And they just learned every step of the business. They admit maybe we didn't do it right all the way, but it's the way we knew how. And, and, and right. they are killing it. So they launched their business in 2005. Wow. Yes. So it's it's been a while now. Yes. Like when you think about it, I always think 2005 is like five years ago and it's not. It's not, yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? They inspired me to go ahead and create something. Right? Why yeah. not? And, it's, and, and what I like about um, this Black Girl Magic series is that they're inspired by the magic and resilience of Black women and it's to be enjoyed by all. That's beautiful. So it's very heartfelt and, and has a great message. And then another thing I like about them is that they're very philanthropic. Mm-hmm. They have a series of, it's very clever, it's canned wines called She Can. Oh, again. <laughs> and they la- they launched their She Can Fund in 2019, promoting the professional advancement of women in the wine industry to el- eliminate the the gender and ethnic gaps. So, I, I really that. love that. What I love about that message, though, is that, and we've heard it before, is that when we do right by Black women, we do right by everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When we empower Black women, we empower. Entire communities. Yeah. So I, I like that that message is also kind of embedded in there like that indirectly because it's so true. We know that to be true. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, we actually had some of the, the she can in. Uh, we went this weekend, Maritz and I, to the Sobe Wine and Food Festival. And they actually had a table set up to my bride sisters. And we tried um, the, the, the Riesling. Riesling. Yes, it was off dry. It was How good. How was it? It was Fantastic. Good. Well, I must say this one has... Um, fruity soft notes. Um, yes. It's not as sweet, but it definitely is a nice subtle tone to kind of wash down the craziness. In the <laughs> yes. I just wanted to say that. For that sure. like literally this is exactly what it is. It's like you need to sip this when you get to the middle chapters. <laughs> 100%. And when you start to think about all the horrible things that have happened, happened to you to in your professional career, just sip on this and remember sipping. that these women started this from nothing. Nothing, nothing. at all. Um, so this rosé in particular is from 2020. The mm-hmm. grapes for this wine are sourced from California. I was kind of having trouble. This is one thing I didn't like. I was having trouble finding out where in California and what grapes. Like on the bottle, it just yeah. says rosé. I'm like, yeah, I know it's rosé, but from like, what where? grape? It, <laughs> right. could, it yeah. could be from any region. It could be from any. Um, and I, I know that they try to be kind of I, I guess not pretentious accessible? and accessible, but at the same time, why do you think your consumers are that dumb that they right. won't be like, oh, right, we want to know what grape is in here? Like, I'm not saying tell us how long it was on the skins or what kind of fermentation you use, but just say, is it a Pinot Noir? So right. you know what? It? That's where you actually email them and say, I have a suggestion. I noticed that on your wines, it just says great, but I would love to have a description of the grapes. Yeah. That really does work. Feedback. Mm-hmm. Feedback for companies is, it works. Yeah. And that's positive feedback. No, because what that's you're doing great is feedback. Yeah. That's great exactly. feedback. Um, they, I might, have, they might up their maybe. sales. Maybe. That's true. <laughs> no, I eventually, because I mean, people would probably think it's sweet or something without knowing. And yeah. I eventually on the Total Wine website, after digging for a while, it didn't even say it on the tech sheet. It was very bizarre. 
So it's from um, the Edna Valley in the Central Coast, and it's a Pinot Noir blend, supposedly. Oh, okay. That's probably why I like That's it so, so much. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, yeah. That's probably the, so- the, so- the soothingness of it. <laughs> True. No, I, I just like being upfront with things, you know, because mm-hmm. then we know what to expect from the wine. Right. So this is a dry rosé. Yes. And we are going to take a look at it. As you could tell. It's like a light pink, like a blush. Yeah, yeah. It's like um, yeah, like a coral. I mean, we're not sipping from traditional wine glasses right now. Yeah. Our location does not allow for that. So I can't give you an exact detail. But when we look at the bottle, it looks much darker than the wine we had last time, the La Fête du Rosé from Provence. Yes. Um, so this, yeah, it's like a little... It's, it's like, like a, a more peachy. It has it's more coral. coral it's, it's yeah. more salmon. Of a, yeah, it's more of a deep coral. True. Um, so that's the look. And then we're going to swirl it in these inadequate cups because I'm a cup snob. And we're going to try to get sense. It smells like there's some um, peach or strawberries in it, like berries. Yeah, there's definitely, definitely. stone fruit. There's, there's strawberries. Yeah. yeah. There's strawberries, raspberries. It's very um, berry bursting. Yeah, yes, it's very it fruity. Yeah, but I could totally get, yeah, the is same. Is there a hint of oak? Or cherry in here? Cherry, yes. Oak, no. Because it would have It's not. Because oak would be a little smokier. It has a more cherry background. Yeah. So the oak smells come from um, the fermentation and the aging of it. So I'm assuming because this is a young wine, it's crisp, and it's this would be um, fermented in stainless steel, which wouldn't impart any oak notes on it. Okay. Um, But definitely lots of red berries and cherries and and strawberries. You get that right away. Mm -hmm. But peaches, like you said, for sure, there's stone fruit in here. Definitely. There's... um, I say orange. It maybe. smells delicious. Yeah, yeah. It's- I think this might be my favorite rose we've had of the roses that we've mm. covered. Nice. This will be a good summer cocktail. Yes, for sure. This is good to be enjoyed in the summer. And then when you taste it, it's like the same. Mm-hmm. You can add sherbet. Um, it has, uh, like, <laughs> sorry guys, you know, I, I like to mix cocktails, so. Queen is ready to get drunk outside. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, summer is for cocktail making. Queen is like, this is my day off and I yes. just want to pour some yes. sherbet on here. It's my day off, well, you know, <laughs> just pour a little sherbet to add to the fruit we notes. cannot blame you for that. No, <laughs> And honestly, the bottle is only 20 bucks around there. So you wouldn't feel guilty about doing that. And I'm not going to lie, guys. If you guys haven't seen the bottle, so it is so cute. It actually is my favorite color is gold. So shout out to the Bride Sister Collection for making such a cute label. And it says Black Girl Magic and Rose is in gold. So go to your local wine store or Publix. You know, yeah, go to their areas. website and you could see where they sell them. I know that there's a couple places locally. I, I think I've seen them at Target. Um, not sure about where else locally, but they are yeah. national brands. Or just yeah. Google it. Google, yeah, yeah. yeah. Black Girl Magic Rose. And then um, just so you know, it's black owned and woman owned. So yes. go ahead and support. Major. And if you don't like rose, they also have different. Of varietals, they have Riesling, Zinfandel, um, Chardonnay, Merlot, red blends. They... I loved the Riesling that we had. Yes, that the was nice. That make me want to go get that Riesling. 
That was fantastic. Because I'm was, a big Riesling girl. Yeah, I love Riesling too. No, and it was an off-dry Riesling, so it had a bit of sweetness. You could have that with spicy food. Mm-hmm. Um, we had for inauguration day, we had their brute sparkling wine. I'm yep. pretty How sure. How was it? It was good, from what I remember. In honor of of Kamala Kamala. Harris. Yes. Yes, that day I got up. Oh, and talking about, did y'all see we could have our first black Supreme Court? Oh, yes. Okay, from local. local. She is from the 305. She is very very 305. Very 305. She graduated from Palmetto High School. Yes, she did. (laughs) She did. And she's got locks. Yes, she she got sister locks. Yes. Let's but, send her over there soon. Um, I know, right? Let's just send our prayers to her and her family and just hope that she really does make it because that will be history and making for sure. And now I would feel like law needs all different type of representation yeah. instead of just one type. So I feel like this would really help um, in very high power issues um, in that court style. So She's perfect. She is a public defender, was a public defender. She has criminal defense uh, Mm -hmm. experience. She, I mean, she fits and she ticks the boxes that are currently not ticked. And not only that, it's it's a huge, like, for me, I would appreciate a judge that's been a public defender because you already know what the the people want. You know what the people need. You understand the system. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. Instead of being detached from the system. Yeah. So, well, cheers cheers to that. that. (laughs) Thank you for coming on, Queena. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you, ladies, for inviting me. We this so has been so much fun. It. <laughs> if you've enjoyed this conversation and other episodes, make sure you follow us on the podcast. You give us five stars. You subscribe. Uh, make sure you go onto Instagram and follow us on at Pouring Over Pages. Go to our Etsy shop, buy some merch, and tune in and, and continue the conversation with us. We, we've got some exciting books in the queue. And thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.